Hello and welcome to The Motherhood Guide, where it's all about making your experiences of pregnancy, birth and motherhood better. I'm your host Kelly, a mum of two, a hypnobirthing teacher and birth educator, and I'm here to help you thrive in motherhood rather than simply just survive. Let's get started. Welcome to what is version three of this episode. Guys, you will not believe the stress I have had to try to get this episode out, but it's okay because it's worth it. Because pregnant girlies, this one is for you. Because what a lot of women don't realise is that the absolute most important decision that you're going to make for birth is where you're going to give birth. And I know what you're thinking. I've already decided where I'm giving birth, Kelly. I don't need this episode. Please just give me the time of day, hear me out, because what I'm about to share with you is super interesting, to the point that you might actually leave this like, my mind is blown. Because actually, deciding where you're going to give birth has a direct effect on the likelihood of you requiring intervention in your birth. So it is, it's a really important decision. And like I said, I know, you might be thinking, I've already decided where I'm giving birth. Because as it stands at the moment, most people are giving birth in hospital environments. The current average home birth rate across the UK is around 2 to 2.5%, although Scotland is around 1.3%. So this means that, yes, absolutely, the vast majority of women are choosing to give birth in a medicalised setting, so either birth centres or in hospitals. So it's probably been a given for you from the outset. Maybe this is literally the only place that you've ever pictured birth taking place. And that's totally normal, because the reality is... We've been conditioned to believe that birth is dangerous and that it often goes wrong. And so hospital is the safest place to give birth because that is where we go when things go wrong, right? And that is what can make so much of birth preparation a little bit tricky. Because to truly give yourself the best chance of a positive birth experience, the harsh reality is that you're going to have to work on some of that deep-rooted conditioning and challenge that conditioning. Understanding that the vast majority of your thoughts around birth are actually not based on factual evidence, but just on conditioning. And that's conditioning from the media, conditioning from your friends, your family, the government, your own healthcare providers. You have been conditioned to believe what you do about birth. So it is, it's completely natural for you to be sitting here thinking, I'll give birth in the hospital. Because what happens if something goes wrong? That's where I want to be. That's where I can get access to that care. But is hospital actually the safest option? Thankfully, now we have a pretty good answer on this. Now, there was a study done in 2020. This was called the Lancet Birthplace Study, and this was the biggest study of its kind. So it was kind of groundbreaking. It was really cool when it first came out in 2020 because this studied 500,000 births to evaluate the effect that planning a home birth had on birth outcomes. Now, I know that when we do stats on a podcast, it's quite a lot to get our head around. It's quite hard to listen to. So if need be, I'm just giving you the heads up, grab a piece of paper and a pen and write this down so it's a little bit easier for you to process what I'm actually saying to you. So back to the study. So what it found was that by planning a home birth, this had a direct impact on the likelihood of you having a certain birth outcome. So let's take a look. So C-section, your chance of requiring a C-section decreased by 30% as a first-time mum and 60% as a subsequent mum. So a subsequent mum would be any baby that is after your first baby. So that's quite staggering. So if you plan a home birth, right, because this is what is key about this study, it's talking about planning a home birth. It's not necessarily saying that these people 
did have a home birth, but just by planning a home birth, your chance of having a C-section decreased by 30% as a first-time mum and 60% as a subsequent mum. Your chance of requiring an epidural or wanting an epidural decreased by 50% as a first-time mum, 75% as a subsequent mum. The chance of you requiring forceps or the ventus decreased by 25% as a first-time mum, 60% as a subsequent mum. The chance of you requiring artificial oxytocin for your birth, which is usually used to stimulate contractions if they're not strong enough on their own, this decreased by 35% as a first-time mum. 65% as a subsequent mum and very interestingly postpartum haemorrhage there was absolutely no increase whatsoever for first-time mums regardless of where you chose to give birth so that was hospital or home birth and neither setting was it more likely to happen but as a subsequent mum your chance of having a postpartum haemorrhage actually decreased by 45% if you plan to have a home birth. That is a pretty staggering figure. Actually, I think all of those stats are pretty staggering because it really paints a picture of where we stand when we do plan a home birth, which is so interesting because a lot of people don't plan a home birth because they're under this impression that actually they're at more risk by planning a home birth. So let's break this down a little bit. So let's take C-section. It is commonly our understanding that an unplanned C-section would happen when something goes wrong in birth, okay? I don't really like saying go wrong, but this is the terminology that is often used within women and I know that if I say go wrong, you'll know what I mean, okay? So yeah, it's our understanding that an unplanned C-section would be something that would happen when something goes wrong in the birth. And yet when we plan to birth at home, the chance of requiring this decreases. And what does this tell us? It tells us that birth is less likely to go wrong at home. You know, these fears and worries that we've often got about birth, that is actually less likely to take place at home. Epidural use, what does this tell us? Women generally cope better with the sensations of pain at home because you're in your own environment, you've got all of your home comforts, you're able to build oxytocin in really high amounts at home as well usually because you're relaxed there, that's your like little safe haven. So generally speaking, we can build higher levels of oxytocin, use our coping techniques better at home and this all helps us alleviate some of that pain. And I do, I think that that postpartum hemorrhage one is so interesting because This is a really common concern. I see this brought up a lot when I have my hypnobirthing sessions with clients. But what is probably reassuring for you to know as well with this, right? Because obviously when we look at for first-time mums, there is no increase, but there's also no decrease by planning a home birth on the chance of you having a postpartum haemorrhage, right? What might be reassuring for you to know is that the treatment is the exact same. Okay, so whether you're at hospital, whether you're at home, the treatment is the exact same for a postpartum haemorrhage, right? So obviously if there was any excess bleeding, they would offer you that treatment. It's usually an injection that can slow down that blood loss. And if there was any further concerns at that point, you can just transfer into hospital where you will receive that care. And you would receive that care whether you planned the home birth or you were at the hospital already. You still receive the exact same treatment and care that you would require. And it's not like you're bumped up the queue just because you're at hospital. Obviously, the way that that's looked at is totally across the board and they are just going to look at who has the greatest need, who's the highest priority at that time. And if that's somebody that's coming in from a home birth, then that's somebody that's coming in from a home birth. Your treatment remains the same. You're not putting yourself necessarily at a disadvantage by being at home. 
And what you need to be reassured with as well is that remember you are still working with a team of highly skilled midwives just in a different location, okay? They know what they're doing and of course they're there to support you and to keep you and your baby as safe as possible. So they receive training and have procedures in place for when things do, and I'm using air quotes again, go wrong just like they do in hospital, okay? They're trained to cope with that because as much as birth is a really normal physiological process and vast majority of the time we don't need any intervention obviously we do need to be aware that there is also sometimes that we do we do need intervention we do need help of sorts and the midwives that are at home with you they're going to be equipped to deal with that and if they physically can do something for the treatment or the care of you then they are going to take you to a place where you can get that treatment and care okay so keep that in mind as well however let's talk about how common it actually is for things to go wrong right because this this does, it always comes up in my hypnobirthing sessions when I talk about home birth. People are usually very shut off and closed off from this option from the outset because it's, it's out with the norm, you know? N- not many people know people that have had home births, haven't heard many stories about it. And that rate of home births in the UK and in Scotland, it is really low. So it can feel really strange to us to try and even imagine what that would look like We often don't have a lot of information on that from the outset either. So yeah, so let's talk about how common is it that things actually go wrong? Because I bet if I was to ask you the three main reasons women transfer from home birth to hospital, you would be thinking of something scary. You probably would say it would be a postpartum hemorrhage or maybe some difficulty with baby breathing. But actually, the three main reasons are these. Number one wanting an epidural for whatever reason. Maybe the pain feels too intense for you. Maybe you need to get some pain relief to get some rest if it's been a long labour. Whatever the reason is, that is one of the main reasons women transfer from a home birth to a hospital, just to get an epidural. Number two, failure to progress, which I always think is such an interesting one. Because if you have planned a home birth and you're not progressing in that home birth scenario... I highly doubt that it is going to be helpful for the natural physiological process for you to then transfer to the place that you didn't want to go. It's very unlikely that the transfer to the hospital in itself is going to do anything to help. However, the reason this is often done is because you can transfer into hospital and then get use of that artificial oxytocin, which will potentially ramp up your contractions and maybe move that that labour along. Whatever the situation is, Yeah, failure to progress is a very interesting one. But failure to progress isn't necessarily an emergency either. This could just mean that your contractions have slowed down and you're just struggling to get them back up or into a pattern. And, you know, labour's kind of going quite slowly at that point. I personally don't think that that's necessarily an issue in itself, but sometimes midwives can be a little bit concerned about this and want to move that process along. So that is why failure to progress is... One of the main reasons that people transfer into hospital. And then the third one is meconium in the fluid. Now, again, a very interesting one because, again, not necessarily an emergency. Meconium in the fluids, yes, it can potentially be an issue for baby. However, it isn't always. And it's not completely uncommon, especially in babies that are closer to the gestation of maybe 42 weeks, 
it's not uncommon for them to have released a little bit of meconium in their waters at some point. And it's thought that that's because, you know, their digestive system is a lot more, like, progressed versus a baby that was maybe 38 weeks gestation. And also it's thought that this can sometimes just be a a normal part of the process um, because labour is a big experience for babies. They're getting squished and squeezed in all sorts of directions, so potentially maybe the release of meconium can just be part of the process sometimes if that's ready to come out. However, what we do need to be careful with and what I'll always remind my hypnobirthing clients is, you know, meconium in itself is not an issue. But when it's paired with another risk factor, so maybe like a high temperature or a fast heart rate, you know, then potentially that could be a, a sign that maybe you do need a little bit of extra assistance. So again, it's not necessarily straight away an emergency or a problem, but sometimes people do require a little bit of further treatment or help and that is why they transfer into hospital if they have meconium in the fluid. So what you can see there is actually very seldom is it an emergency. The reason that people transfer from a home birth to hospital. And I'm not saying that you know emergencies never happen and birth is perfect. I am not saying that and never will say that. However, vast majority of the time, home births go perfectly well. Perfectly well. And even when you plan a home birth and it doesn't happen, it is also pretty rare that the reason that didn't happen is because of an emergency. So how does it feel when you know that? Does that kind of give you a different perspective on home birth a little bit? Now, something that happens a lot when I give clients this information is, you know, their eyes will really be opened to home birth and they're starting to maybe see that that could be a sensible option. At this point, it doesn't sound like such a crazy idea anymore. But if I'm speaking with a first-time mum, it is also not uncommon for people to say, oh, it does sound really good. I'll maybe consider that for next time. But what I want you to ask yourself, if you're listening to this as a first-time mum, right? if you were to go to a concert of your absolute favourite artist, would you say to yourself, "Mm, I I, I don't know if it's going to be worth it paying £200 to get a really good seat at the front? I I, I just don't know. So what I'll do is I'll just get a ticket right at the back and then maybe next time I can consider getting a better seat. Would you do that? Or if you were a wedding guest, would you buy yourself two dresses, one that is absolutely stunning, makes you feel like Beyonce on the Renaissance tour, makes you feel like Margot Robbie on the red carpet? Would you buy that dress and then also one that is a bit blah, a bit bland, a bit boring, doesn't really make you feel like the goddess you are? Would you then opt to go for that dress that is boring and blah? When you've got that opportunity to wear that beautiful dress that makes you feel amazing, realistically... Would you put on that boring, bland dress that you don't like very much and say to yourself, it's fine, I'll just keep that really nice dress for another day because, you know, maybe I'll be able to go to another wedding one day and I can just wear it next time. No, you wouldn't do that, would you? Picking a hospital birth when you are interested in a home birth and have absolutely no reason at that point to believe that a home birth isn't possible, that's what you're doing to yourself. You're selling yourself short. Any other time in life, you would pick the choice that gives you the best chance at feeling amazing and happy and positive as soon as possible. Okay, so don't sell yourself short. What's good to know is at the moment, the transfer rate for a first-time mum is around 50-50. But you can absolutely be in that 50% of women that have a home birth. Or you can give yourself a 0% chance. 
it's totally up to you. 50% chance or a 0% chance? What would you do? Now, I fully appreciate that I can only go into this to a certain extent on the podcast. And often the trouble is that not everybody's birth or pregnancy is completely straightforward. Sometimes there are complex issues, maybe fears, maybe worries, maybe health concerns that make you feel like home birth is not right for you. And that's totally fine. We're all about informed choice here, babes, okay? All about informed choice. So as long as you're doing what feels right for you, I will back you to the hill. So what happens if you don't want to have a home birth? So you have then two other options, although I know that this will vary depending on the trust that you're in, where you're located in the world. But within the UK, you usually have the option of having a birth centre birth or a hospital labour ward birth at this point. And can you still have a positive birth there? Even if you are putting yourself forward for potentially a higher chance of having intervention in your birth, absolutely, you can still have a positive birth, okay? So I don't want you to stress after hearing that. If you still feel like, "Mm, home birth isn't for me, don't want you to stress, okay? You can absolutely still have amazing positive births in the birth centre or in hospital. But what then becomes really, really key here is that you want to start focusing on your environment. So think back to the episode that we did on oxytocin and adrenaline. If you haven't listened to them, please go back and listen to them now because they're really important for planning your birth. But what we do know now is that we want to be focusing for the dilation process to really be building that oxytocin as much as possible and reducing the amount of adrenaline that is in our system, trying to completely eradicate that adrenaline almost. We want to feel in this nice, calm, safe, comforted, love-filled environment to build that oxytocin. And I've said it before as well, that we want to think about building this oxytocin toolbox, okay? And what I mean by that is I want you to start thinking about all the things that you already do in your day-to-day life that bring you joy, that make you laugh, that make you feel safe, that make you feel like you've got privacy, that make you feel like you're comforted or loved. That is all the things that we want to bring into our birth environment, okay? And that that is still relevant for a home birth, by the way, as well. But I just mean when we take ourselves into a place that we know we don't build oxytocin quite as freely because it's a different environment, we want to then focus on changing that environment to make sure we can make it oxytocin friendly. So some things you might want to consider, and I always feel like a really easy way to start thinking about your oxytocin environment is actually to get a piece of paper, write down your five senses, okay, and start looking at those individually and seeing how you can build oxytocin in relation to that. So what I mean is sight. We know that oxytocin is facilitated best in dark environments, okay? So sight, what can you do with your sight to facilitate darkness? You can turn off the lights. You can shut the curtains. You might also want to get some like ambience lighting, fairy lights, or maybe some of those like LED candles because obviously you can't take a, like a flame into hospital, and that provides that nice, cozy, warm, comfortable lighting instead of those harsh strip lights that are in every single hospital ward for some reason. Or of course, you can just close your eyes as well close your eyes or use one of those like sleep masks you can use one of those as well if you want to to facilitate that darkness for sight as well it might be that it's not just about the darkness it might be about bringing these kind of homely touches into the labor ward environment okay so some things that I have also seen people do is getting some blue text sticking up positive affirmation cards or it might even be sticking up pictures of their family so that they can walk through the room and look at those And that can be really nice and reassuring because think about it at home. 
probably your walls are already covered in your favourite photos. It might be your wedding photos, family photos, photos of your dog. So it's really normal for us to take comfort and stuff like that. That is something that we already do in our home environment. And that is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create a more homely environment that is helpful for the facilitation of oxytocin. Touch. Touch is a a really good one because I always talk about physical touch within um, a hypnobirthing course. So think about what physical touch is really comforting to you at the moment. And this is where your birth partner can often come in. So would it feel good to have a little back massage? Do you like it when they kiss your head? Does that make you feel nice and safe and loved and comforted? Do you want them to hold your hand? But it also could be physical touch in terms of the sensations that you feel on your skin. So, you know, maybe that's... Do you want to be in the water? Because that's where you feel comforted as well. That makes you feel like you've got a bit of privacy. And that physical touch of the water on your body feels nice, okay? So touch, you can kind of consider stuff like that there as well. Hear, what would you like to hear in the labour ward environment? Now, keep in mind that it can be quite noisy and busy and there are a lot of sounds going on. You might even hear monitors beeping that remind you that you're in this medicalised environment and that's all stuff that we kind of want to avoid because that can all be things that can build our adrenaline. So do you maybe want to take in a speaker and play some background music? Maybe that's your favourite album, maybe that's spa music to make you nice and chilled, maybe that's your hypnobirthing audios if you're a client of mine, maybe you want to do that. But you can also just take in like headphones or AirPods. I love AirPods for labour. I mean, I feel like Apple should give me a little sponsorship at this point because AirPods are fab because you've obviously got the noise cancellation. So that can work really, really well at helping you get into the zone. Or earplugs. Even earplugs can be really, really beneficial as well because not everybody wants to hear something. Maybe you just want silence and that's totally cool if that's you. And another thing for here is, do you want to hear positive affirmations? Do you want to hear words of comfort? What, what are the kind of things that you want your birth partner to be saying to you at this point? What things would be reassuring to you? What things would be helpful? What things would annoy you? And I think it's always good if there are certain things that would really bug you. Please let your birth partner know well in advance of labour so you can make sure that doesn't come up during labour. Um, that is also a helpful tip. So that's all stuff that you can consider for hearing. Smell. People always forget about this, right? But think about it. I bet if I say to you, what does a hospital smell like? You instantly know what your hospital smells like because we've all been in a hospital and they do, they just have this really unique smell of sorts. They they just do a very clinical smell, very unique. So that is a smell that we will instantly smell when we go to give birth in a hospital. And for some people, this might not bother you, but for some people, this really does because scent is actually one of the most powerful connections we have to memories, right? So often, instantly, the smell of something takes us back to a certain memory. So that could be the smell of a certain perfume could remind you just of your granny. You know, the instant you smell that, you're like, oh my goodness, that's just like my granny smelled. Or it can be something a lot more negative where it's like, oh, this hospital smell. It reminds me of this time that I had to go to hospital for this reason. Or, you know, I was visiting somebody and that was a really sad time of my life or you know, there can be loads and loads of negative connotations with hospital and often we don't consider this at all when we plan a hospital birth, which is a bit mad and I always feel like when we think about it, like going to give birth at hospital is a bit of a strange concept in a way because hospitals were designed for you to go and get treatment for when you're sick, you're not well, there's something wrong, 
And for some reason, giving birth is the only time that we will go to seek so-called assistance when we're actually fine, when there's nothing wrong with us. Because remember, birth is not a medical issue. It's a normal physiological process, as normal as going to the toilet. So there's nothing wrong with us. We're not a patient at that point. But for some reason, over time, this is what has developed to become the norm, that we go to hospital. So I always think that that's such an interesting thought when you actually think about it. So think about how you can change that smell and I know that within the hospitals in my area a lot of midwives now are trained in aromatherapy which can be super helpful because it means that you can use essential oils to kind of change that hospital clinical smell that is in your labour ward environment so that we don't automatically get taken back to any of these bad memories we potentially have or it might not even be bad memories it's just that it doesn't smell particularly nice and we can use that really strong connection with smell to help change our environment and make it more oxytocin friendly. So that can literally be as simple as making your room smell like lavender because you know that lavender is a nice smell and it relaxes you and you already use that at home. So it's these little simple tweaks that are so easy to make that make your environment more oxytocin friendly. And taste, people always ask me about taste and I know at first thought you might be thinking... I'm in labour, like why would I be tasting anything? But what I want you to think about is obviously we need to fuel our body, especially, especially in a long labour. Do not let anybody tell you that you should be starving yourself throughout your labour. No, you want to fuel yourself throughout your labour, okay? So before you even give birth, I want you to start thinking about when you're preparing your hospital bags, think about snacks. What snacks are you going to take in your bag? And I think it's always best to go for two options here, okay? So do both. Think about what are the snacks that you would have when you need comfort eat. So you have a really rubbish day, what would you instantly reach for? Or what do you instantly reach for when you want to kind of like celebrate something? Or what do you reach for when you just need a little sugar boost? What is your absolute favourite sweetie to eat? Pack all of those favourite things that you would reach for on the good moments, but I also now want you to think, what would you reach for in the bad moments? What would you reach for when you're not feeling so good? You're maybe a bit nauseous, maybe feel a bit sicky, you maybe don't feel like eating, you're just not in the mood for it. What would you reach for? I'll give you a little tip because this is what I would reach for. Ready salted Pringles. They are the elite. I feel like everybody's sleeping on these. Like They are so elite. I love them, but that is instantly what I would reach for when I am not feeling at my best. I just want something quite plain and bland and a little bit salty. That is what I would go for. But I know other women say things like crackers are quite good. There may just some quite bland fruit might be another option. So think about it. If you weren't feeling at your best, what would you reach for as well? And I want you to pack both of those in your bag, okay? Because taste is important, all right? We need to fuel our bodies, And I'm not saying you're going to sit down and have a three-course meal because you're absolutely not. You're not going to do that in labour. But snacking is absolutely key. And at this point, it doesn't matter so much what you're eating as long as you are eating something, okay, to give you that energy. Because your contractions can only work efficiently if you are getting energy. I hope that that gives you some ideas. Tuning into your senses can be so, so helpful at really building that nice oxytocin-friendly environment, even if you are not going to plan to give birth at home. So I hope that this has been really eye-opening for you and it's potentially opened your eyes to what could be a new possibility for your birth. Home birth can be a really, really positive, safe option for a lot of women 
it would be great to see the home birth rates increase because we do know that this could potentially be linked with having more positive birth outcomes and more positive birth experiences. But I also appreciate that this is something that is quite out of the norm. So if you do have any questions, you know where to find me. I am all ears and happy to help. So in the outro, it does have all of my details, but also they are in the show notes if you want to contact me, if you want to work with me. Because obviously we talk about this in a lot more depth in my hypnobirthing course. And also we talk about a lot of birth topics. So if you're a pregnant girly, honestly, hypnobirthing is just absolutely fantastic for both educating you on your options, but also giving you tools and techniques that can help you feel more calm, more relaxed and build that oxytocin more freely within your labour experience to help move that process along a lot more smoothly. So yeah, all the details of where to work with me will be below. And please remember, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, I can work online. That's one great thing that COVID brought us, the facilitation of working online. So don't be scared to reach out. But likewise, if it's just questions, let me know. But third time lucky, I really feel like this is going to be the episode that hits your ears. I'm now going to transfer it to my laptop and hope for the best. Please pray for me. Thank you. Bye-bye. So I really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and that you've been able to take something away from it, whether that's feeling less alone or more in the know. If you have enjoyed today's episode, the usual stuff applies. A review or a share with a friend is a really great way for me to build my community so that I can help more women. All the good stuff is in the show notes, guys, including details on how to work with me, or you can check out my website at www.breathingtobirth.com. I'll see you next week.